Welcome back to another episode of Beyond Explanation. My name is Brandon, and tonight I am joined, as always, with my buddy Solus. How are we doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing well, Brandon. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great, and uh, we should hopefully be coming through a lot more crystal clear for everybody out there. We've been uh, dodging the rolling through the punches with COVID and uh, our recording situation, but I think we've got everything figured out now. A little bit of uh, monetary investment on your and I's behalf, but I think we've pulled through. Yeah. Yeah, man. Dodging some landscapers and uh, noises and got some upgrades here at Solus Studios, and I'm really excited to uh, try out this new microphone and mic stand on these awesome stories we got today. Yeah, so as always, we're going to bring you guys some quick stories here. I think we've been enjoying the change in format from like a super long, in-depth uh, story to something that's a little bit more quick hitting. And then we can always venture back to something if people seem to like it enough and kind of do a little bit more of an in-depth look at a certain situation or story, if you will. But uh, I've been enjoying it. How about you, Solus? Yeah, I like the quick dives. Um, one, you know, I'm lazy. So <laughs> being able to just... Uh, focus on one thing and do a little bit of research and really provide a, um, a session uh, take on a, a short story is pretty awesome. Yeah, and I think as always, this kind of leads a little bit more to allowing people to get interested in a topic and then doing their own research. Like, don't take us as the uh, sole purveyors of information on these things. We're just letting you in on a little something that we found out about. And then you guys can then take that onto your own journey and make your own decisions as to what you think about it. Yeah, very true. I always go into these things curious and then you find that there's like 12 articles by different people with different perspectives and you've got to try to parse through all that and get some kind of decent idea of what's going on and you know we're just trying to give what we found interesting there's different perspectives and definitely uh, uh, different takes on all these things many yeah. different sources that we've had to go through but we're always going to stick in the realm of the uh if you will ufos the paranormal the the cryptids the the stuff that we enjoy the things that that, that solace and i really always talked about just hanging out as friends so we got a couple of stories tonight the uh, i'm going to kick things off the first story that I have for you today, Solus, is a story about some documents that were found, which is always fun. And uh, mm. so these documents are called the Admiral Wilson documents. So you might ask yourself, who is Admiral Wilson? Well, Admiral Wilson, his name is Thomas Ray Wilson. He was born in March of 1946. He is a retired vice admiral in the U.S. Navy. He was the 13th director of the Defense Intelligence Agency from 1999 until 2002. And from 1997 to 1999, he served as the director for intelligence for the Joint Chiefs of Staff. So you might be asking, like, why am I telling you all this stuff about this guy? It's kind of to lead a little bit, lend a little bit of credence to the documents that they found, because it's about a conversation that he had with another individual, a Dr. Eric Davis. And there are some serious credentials. Yeah, absolutely. So the documents themselves are 13 pages of notes that were written by Dr. Eric Davis, a close associate of Dr. Hal Putoff. If you're into the uh, UFO community, you probably heard that name before. 
in October of 2002 after he had a two-hour meeting with the Admiral. Now, basically, well, this all kind of started off, which is kind of weird, uh, I guess back in 1997. While Admiral Wilson was working for the Joint Chiefs of Staff, a series of events kind of took place. A meeting happened between Dr. Stephen Greer. You remember that guy that had that documentary on Netflix about the tiny aliens that fit in your hand? That guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm immediately suspect. Yeah, and I've, from what I've heard, he's kind of gone off the deep end even more lately. Um, but I, oh, at wow. one point, I God mean, this guy, yeah, right. At one point, this guy was actually doing like pretty professional briefings. So it's interesting to, I don't know what, what happened there. But anyway, getting off topic here. <laughs> so Maybe this knowledge will slowly drive you crazy. Yeah, it might. You never know. So a meeting took place between Dr. Stephen Greer Dr. Edgar Mitchell, which if you don't know is uh, the Apollo 14 astronaut and the sixth man to walk on the moon, uh, and also U.S. Navy Lieutenant Commander Willard Miller. So this meeting lasted for several hours, and this was basically like um, a not a black tie event, but like a super official version of our podcast. <laughs> like, so you probably need a uh, certain cards or badges to get in, right? Yeah, well, I mean, you kind of do for the podcast, too. But, you know, we don't want to get into that. <laughs> yeah. So the meeting lasted several hours. They discussed the existence of secretive private organizations that may have been tasked with studying the technology of ET bodies that were retrieved from crashed UFOs. The group wanted to reverse engineer the technology in order to make use of it. And one of the people at the meeting brought a copy of a book called The Day After Roswell by Colonel Philip J. Corso. The book basically details how technology from crashed UFOs was used by private industry to bring us some of the things that we use today. So we talked about the, the meeting that happened between Dr. Stephen Greer, Dr. Edgar Mitchell, and, Do and Willard Miller, and that led to the meeting between Admiral Wilson and Dr. Eric Davis in the back of the car. So that's kind of where these notes ended up coming from, was that these were the notes of Dr. Eric Davis after the meeting. So obviously he couldn't keep uh, document, you know, notation of everything that was going on during the meeting. Uh, so this is what his notes were immediately following the meeting. So basically they okay. talked about I'm assuming, uh, excuse me, I'm assuming that they were doing this in top secret. So they weren't like recording or anything. Right. So his only option was to run home and try to take notes. Yeah. From my understanding, from all the interviews and everything that I've listened to, um, they're just basically said it was like a converse after that big meeting that wasn't secret. Like you had to have clearance to get there and all that fun stuff. Then they had this meeting separately, just the two of them in the back of somebody's car. Okay. So the notes are about 13 pages of notes in total, and you can find all the notes online. You can actually go through and read all of the notes that talk about all of this. So basically, Eric Davis and uh, Admiral Wilson had this conversation in the back of the car about, you know, is there really a program that exists that's out there that is working without any oversight from the government that is actually trying to reverse engineer alien technology, any types of things that have to do with UFOs, basically. And so 
after they had this conversation in the back of the car, uh, Admiral Wilson was so uh, fervent to find out more information that he started doing some digging. So he did about 45 days worth of digging. So after 45 days, he actually came across one of these special access programs. He got back in touch with Dr. Eric Davis, and he told him that they were right that he did find one of these programs and he's actually been trying to get in touch with the program director of one of these programs. So he gave the guy a call several times over when he called the guy, they were not happy that he was trying to get in touch with them. He didn't know. They didn't know how he even found out about them. They were even trying to find out during the conversation, like who did you even talk to about trying to find out who we were basically <laughs> and uh so you know, the, the the guy i talked to on the phone last time yeah exactly so they they end up basically saying that you know hey i don't really know why you're calling us or what you want so admiral wilson says look it is my job in the government to oversee special access programs basically and you guys i have no idea what's going on here and you need to clue me in on this even better not only do i need to be read in you need to tour me around you need to show me what's going on the whole nine and they were like ah we'll get back to you on that and they ended up doesn't like being kept in the dark huh no not at all i mean especially when you have these guys that have these special access things uh, I'm sure if I had that clearance, I wouldn't want to be kept in the dark about that kind of stuff. I mean, you always hear the joke about, uh, what was it, Clinton that tried to find out about UFOs, and they were like, yeah, sorry, you don't have a need to know. Right. So the program director basically told them that, you know, hey, if you want to find out more about this, you're going to have to come out, and you're going to have to meet us in private. Admiral Wilson flies out, and he meets them in a private vault, his words. In the vault... There is the same guys he was talking to on the phone, the program director, the corporate attorney, and the security guy. And they basically inform Admiral Wilson that they don't really care about his clearances, that they basically are going to decide on their own terms who has access to the program. And according to their terms, he doesn't meet those credentials. So he said, do you know who I am? And they said... Yeah, and we don't care. Yeah, so he says, hey, uh, if you don't care so much, then you're not going to care that I then complain up the chain of command that you're not telling me what I need to know. And they basically said, go for it. He asks them, to my understanding, uh, like, hey, you know, what are your credentials for getting access to this? And they're like, we don't need to tell you that. So he's like, well, can you tell me who has credentials? And I guess they showed him something called a bigot list, which I had never heard of before, which I guess were people who had the need to know, which I guess that's like a insider term for that. Yeah, that day and age, that's not what I would think that meant. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Eric Davis was asking him, like, hey, did you recognize any of the names on the list? And he was like, no, no, I didn't. And he's like, nobody in the Bush administration or anybody else? And he's like, no, no, not nobody that I recognized at all. So he goes back and he basically barks up the chain of command. And he lets them know that he doesn't have access to this and he should be given access to it. He actually complained to the Special Access Oversight Committee. And that committee responded on the last week of June in 1997. They said they were taking the side 
of the secret project. They said that Admiral Wilson was to immediately drop the matter and let it go. Wilson obviously didn't take this too well. The senior review group then, the chairman said to Wilson if he did not follow their instructions, he would not see his upcoming promotion. He would get early retirement and he would lose one or two stars along the way. Wilson I became that's what they call a hostile work environment. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> it's an so, implication. Wilson became incredibly angry at this because he felt like his job was to, ex- to do exactly what these guys were telling him not to do. So he basically did what they said and didn't bring it up anymore. And about a year later, in 1998, Wilson met a man named uh, Jacques Gansler, uh, who has since passed away. During the meeting, Wilson found out that Gansler had actually been briefed about Wilson's 1997 meeting. Wilson said that Gansler told him that UFOs are real, alien abductions are not, and to drop the matter and have no more discussions about it. I was just going to say it's kind of serendipitous because my piece is about alien abductions and a similar viewpoint. What's cool about this is uh, Solis and I are always big on like stuff, like tangible things, right? Multiple witnesses, all that fun stuff. So you can actually go look at all of these documents. You can see the 13 pages of documents online. I'm sorry, they were written by Eric Davis? Yes, Dr. Eric Davis. And where were they found? Like, how, how did they come out? Oh, yeah, great question. <laughs> so the Admiral Wilson documents were discovered among the personal effects of the late Dr. Edgar Mitchell, who passed away in 2016. One thing to keep in mind as well is that Dr. Edgar Mitchell was an MIT-trained aeronautics engineer. He received the Presidential Medal of Freedom and the NASA Distinguished Service Medal. In 2005, he was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize, and after he retired, he did a lot of research into the scientific understanding of consciousness, which kind of adds to our second topic a little bit. I feel like his character's not necessarily in question if it's found posthumously on his body. So I think you can still question the validity of the documents, maybe, even if this guy was pretty legit. Because we're just... So we found documents on a dead body. I don't think it was... I think it was amongst his personal effects. Oh, okay. Right, right. I'm sorry. So in his estate. Uh, yes, yes. We could come across these, but they could have been written from from any angle, from from somebody over here who likes to write like gonzo journalism. Maybe it was even just like an extrapolated version of something but i actually don't know anything about this story either so theorizing yeah no no, that's fine so i you and i know i've talked about him before on the podcast like one of my favorite ufo guys is richard dolan and you can find him on youtube he actually knows how put off dr how put off and he actually wrote him and asked him about this because he was a close personal associate of eric davis um okay so he from my understanding he said that basically he got the longest worded no comment that he's probably ever had. <laughs> which that takes uh, skill. That's- which that in and of itself to him kind of felt like it was a you know an admission of something. They said that basically they can confirm that the meeting did happen. Like Stephen Greer and those guys absolutely met. What was talked about during that is what is up for debate. Yeah. 
And it seems like there's a smaller time frame here between the meeting and when he wrote the notes, but I still have to question it as a game of telephone like the Bible that's written. Oh yeah. After the fact, you know. Absolutely, but it's still I think interesting to see that there's a possibility. So one of the things that's cool about this, right? So we know about ATIP and ATIP, for those who don't know, it's like the Advanced Aeronautics uh, Threat Identification Program. They were basically said that they were a group that got together, if memory serves, in 2007 and they were to kind of basically look into UFOs and things of that nature and try to like re-reverse engineer stuff. And they basically said... That they originally workshopped just a tip, but they went with a tip. <laughs> Perfect. So they uh, they basically said that that was like one of the first government programs that was out there to look into UFOs. Uh, but if this kind of thing was going on back in 1997, where they were having meetings where they were being briefed about these things, and they found these you know inquiries into these special projects maybe there's really been stuff going on about this stuff far, far longer than the 2007 admitted start date. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure, well, I, I guess we can't say they're well documented, but um, black budgets have been a thing for years and always kind of been acknowledged, but not disclosed. It's interesting to see that, you know, people with clearances far more than you and I will ever have. <laughs> have these conversations as well and we recently got confirmation again of from the navy about that the the pyramid flying pyramid object in the sky that that's real too that's real footage so that's now we have not only the tic tacs that have been confirmed now we have whatever this flying triangle thing is which i always thought was interesting because that's entire now we have two different confirmed ufos and not only are they confirmed by the navy they're totally different craft like drastically different shapes that is kind of terrifying yeah drastically different and and both of them completely defy any laws of what we know uh, aeronautics to to operate under. You know, that's probably not a correct it. sentence, but you can get the gist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I grasped. Um, I, I don't see uh, a pyramid being very aerodynamic. And what's interesting is if you look really close at those pictures, you can see lights on the underside of that, and it's. That's pretty crazy, man. Like it's, uh, I, I never thought we would get stuff like this in our lifetime. And that's what really sparked us into starting this podcast a couple years ago was, you know, they had that show unidentified and it was like, man, are we going to get disclosure in our lifetime? And we, I feel like we kind of got soft disclosure. It's not, Hey, they're aliens. It's, Hey, there are <laughs> unidentified flying objects. Uh, so it's not yeah. still nothing, nothing of weight though. Pizzas are coming. Pizzas are coming. <laughs> um, we we might get it before George R. R. Martin's uh, sixth novel. Yeah, you're never getting the, the seventh. Uh, yeah, you are the never seventh, getting right. the seventh. <laughs> <laughs> I've read the first five of those damn books, and I, we'll definitely get uh, The Dream of Spring or whatever is the next one, but there's no way the last one's coming. <laughs> no, 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 pizzas are coming. So you said pizzas were coming. Yeah, yeah, they're on their way. They're still coming. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, the the books are far better than the show, uh, so we'll have to. It's but you usually have that happen. Yeah. yeah. But I digress. Game of Thrones, harumph. <laughs> that, that now Dude, that's is a different podcast. It's right up there with Lost with me now. Like it's uh, visceral anger co- creeps up the back of my neck whenever I think about either one of those shows. Oh no, that's not what I turn to entertainment for. I'll pass. Right, right. Lost. <laughs> I will still, I still always say the first three seasons of Lost, best TV I've ever seen. But then it just took a nosedive after that. So I went five books into uh, when Song of Ice and Fire, and then five seasons into Game of Thrones, and I stopped. I was just over it at a certain point. That's about and, when they stopped listening to the books, anyway. So okay, good. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't really regret my decision after everybody was so upset at the finale and stuff. I'm like, you know what? I was happy with where I was. Maybe I'll just let it go. Yeah, and HBO kind of has a, a history with that. Do you remember that show True Blood? The vampire show? That has a book series that went along with it, too. And I remember I read some of the books, and uh, when I started, went back and watched the show, and they started, like, killing off alternative characters because they liked certain people better, I was like, wow, yeah, no, I'm out. <laughs> We're going to pick so-and-so because he's cuter and he sparkles. Yeah, yeah. keep him. So that's that to me was always the letdown, but I digress. Read the books, kids. <laughs> that's basically my story. It's a story of found documents and uh, intrigue uh, on the government side into possibly secret access programs that were going on without any kind of government oversight. Or if they had them, it was high, 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 high up. Um, But, I mean, that stuff could have been going on. That was back in 1997. It could have been going on for far longer than that even. All right, so the Admiral Wilson leaks when the documents were were found and, you know, uh, I think it was like four years ago or so. Oh, really? Okay. And then the meeting supposedly took place in 1997? Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So one thing that I... with me um, and the very little bit of research I did going into this with the whole um, you know he's interested in you know these programs that are trying to recreate alien technology there was a program in the 1950s it was a secret US military project they used a Canadian company to develop an aircraft based on recreated UFO technology and this was in 1959 and it was by the Canadian company Avro Canada and they ended up <laughs> making a VZ9 Avro car the Avro car yeah dude it was in the early years of the, the Cold War like I said like 1958 1959 they made two of these things they did fly the Avro car intended to exploit the Coronada effect to provide lift and thrust from a single turbo rooter blowing exhaust out of the rim of a disc-shaped craft. In the air, it would resemble a flying saucer. And they did have these, and the two of them did fly. It was just not necessarily viable to make more of them. So the project ended up folding shortly after, I think, uh, like 1961. But Interesting. 
that's something that was disclosed that they definitely did try to recreate the technology. It's not a conspiracy. It did happen. That brings to mind to me um, some interviews that I've heard with a guy named Michael Schratt. I think I brought him up to you before. I don't know if I've talked about him on the podcast. Um, I want to do an episode about his findings because he's a guy that basically believes that all the stuff that we're seeing is actually us because he basically goes back and he finds newspaper clippings and patents and all these different things that were like filed back in the 50s and earlier for anti-gravity craft. And he shows that like there were actually like postings in the newspaper that we were like on the verge of some incredible breakthrough and then all of a sudden just crickets. Totally. Uh, I believe similarly. Or I just, my view is some of these UFOs, or what are they now? um, UAP. UAPs are most likely terrestrial of origin. It's something that's been developed by one country or another. We just don't know of it yet. I think that's a little more likely than, than aliens buzzing around and checking us out. And I also find it a little more scary and terrifying so i'm not sure which is better i kind of want to believe in aliens (laughs) i think for me if you really want to go to the terrifying route and only terrifying because of like how would you comprehend this is that it's not extraterrestrial they're interdimensional yes um, because that's talked about really scary even a step further maybe combining the two theories maybe it's people from the future that have figured out how to break that down and are coming back. Yeah, that's true. So it's still people, but interdimensional. Wasn't it uh, Sheldon on Big Bang that said, I made a deal with myself that if I ever invent <laughs> a time machine, that I'll go back in time and give it to myself? <laughs> that, that's a great quote. I, I'm the wrong one to ask about Big Bang period. I've never <laughs> seen an episode. <laughs> It's uh, It was a good one. He's like, that's how I know a time machine hasn't been inventive yet, because I haven't given it to myself. <laughs> uh, brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> you yourself have a little bit of a story as well. This one is a little bit more into the realm of consciousness, which I think is fun. So lay it on me, buddy. Yeah, man. Uh, similar to I try, how I try to uh, perceive UAPs and stuff, I think things generally can be explained by science and human consciousness and such so this theory really interests me and i came across this on a forum on cosmoquest.org titled repressed abduction memories are real memories misinterpreted it was quote related to standard alien abduction memories being waking dreams or hypnagogic hallucinations end quote you mentioned earlier in your story they said uaps are real but alien abductions are not this theory that's positive by the poster in this kind of tries to explain away alien abductions in what could be going on in the human mind so hypnagogia is the experience of the transitional state from wakefulness to sleep from healthline.com quote hypnagogic hallucinations are different from other sleep related conditions including lucid dreams and sleep paralysis 
that May calls perception of things that are not real. Lucid dreams are very realistic dreams that occur when a person is asleep. Sleep paralysis is a separate condition for hypnagogic hallucinations. However, it may occur simultaneously. Sleep paralysis is a state of sleep where a person is physically immobile but mentally conscious. This condition may cause even more fear as the physical immobility, often difficulty breathing and muscle tightness, can make a person feel as though they are frozen in place. As a result, a person may remember a sleep paralysis and hallucination episode as a dream where they were frozen in place or unable to move. In reality, it was these these two conditions working together. End quote. So I've I've heard about this before with people that um, sometimes can see like dark entities in their room and they'll be like frozen. People. Yeah, like shadow people. And um, I've heard... And I don't know, but this is because I, I kind of delved into this a little bit when I knew we were going to talk about this. Um, I've heard that if you're ever in that state, right, that you can't move, but you're fully conscious, pick like the smallest part of your body that you can and concentrate on only moving that like your fingertip or a toe or something like that. And then eventually that might start to help allow you to pull yourself out of it. Gotcha. So I think some of it too is there's a chemical that's released when you're sleeping that keeps you from moving. Uh, I believe the origins of it were like when we used to sleep in trees. The idea was if you're having a dream, you don't want to start running in place in the tree or, you know, flopping around and fall out of the tree. So there is a hormone or chemical that's secreted when you go to sleep that keeps you from moving. So there's that transitional state that we're talking about, that hypnagogia, where your body is still telling your... your yeah, your, 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 your body thinks that you're still asleep, but your brain knows you're awake. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So you, yeah, your body hasn't caught up yet. Um, so I think a little bit of it is that, and then there's also, I guess, the um, you know, the, the kind of fugue state that you're in, too, con in, in consciousness as you're coming out of sleep. Then, I mean, altogether, it makes for a really terrifying experience for people that that have these issues. I have a friend um, that was telling me that she used to uh, experience them a lot. I remember. I was maybe like 10, 12, 13 years old. Um, I had just moved into a new room in the basement that my dad had built me. And I had a couple dreams over a few weeks or a couple months of something like opening that door, creeping in, getting to the foot of my bed and getting to the point where it was like about to crawl in the bed or get close to me. And I would feel awake and feel this thing in the room and hear all those things and then I would like snap awake and think that it was real and kind of have like a little mini panic attack under the covers. Sure. I wonder like in that if like you were just overexcited about having a new room, you know, and like your body just couldn't like you couldn't relax enough to get like a, a restful sleep, you know, because I know for myself, I had a similar experience like when you move or things like that, like everything's so Hotel brand new. Room. Yeah, yeah. It's like your 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 fight or flight can kick in very easily because you have these different surroundings. Yeah, yeah, very um, primal, 
I like all these things, I think, which is part of what fascinates me about it. Yeah, it's not something we can control, you know. Now I'll have something to blame for those feelings that have falling that I have right before I go to sleep. Like, oh man, I needed that <laughs> hypnogosian thing. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, uh, back to the thread. Um, the author of the original post posits, quote, I think, and this is mostly through a personal and non-professional analysis and hypothesis, that the roots of the similarity of abduction stories and their evolution through time can be traced to the means by which our memories function, and by an event or period of time common to all humans, end quote. He starts by sharing a quote from a Journal of American Folklore from 1989 that lays out the typical narrative of an alien abduction. Quote, Procurement itself unfolds into a complex sub-episode as a beam of light strikes and a drawing force pulls the witness. Beings approach and a brief conversation ensues. They pacify, escort, and float the witness on board the craft, and the witness experiences a momentary loss of memory or doorway amnesia while entering. Examinations also follow a regular progression as the beings undress, cleanse, and position the witness on an examination table. The procedures move from the general to the specific as the beings first subject the witness to manual exploration then use an eye-like scanning device, and next, instruments to probe the body. Specimens of skin, blood, or other bodily fluids are taken. The reproductive areas examined, and finally, the beings turn attention to the neurological system and implant a tiny device into the brain of the conscious witness. End quote. No thanks. <laughs> right, right. But wait, uh, there's more. So in summation, there's a sudden light, lifting, sudden appearance in the ship, being put on a table, undressed, cleansed, manual exploration, which is a gross phrase, and yeah, instruments, right. <laughs> yeah, cringe, and instruments to probe the body, along with the reproductive area being examined, plus implants. But if you go back far enough into human folklore, there were originally stories of incubi, or abduction by the devil. Abduction includes flight and coupling occurring entirely in darkness, and references to the devil's cold member. Cringe again. But there's also reports of fairy abductions in the 1800s, and their standard format was a set of or singular globe appearing, being lifted with a sexual and or breeding element or genital manipulation. So here, the author pauses a moment to quote, talk about abnormal psychology, specifically flavors of schizophrenia. In some manifestations, the person involved manages to take the related memories of others and incorporate themselves as the protagonist, misremembering by putting the frame of reference not as a related memory, but as a self-indexed memory. From this, we get claims of paranoid, quote, they're watching me, or stealing of memories, or theft of identity. Similarly, if the person has personal memories that are no longer properly indexed, we get the psychotic break in the version where the person feels they're watching a movie about themselves. It appears that memories are indexed in a fashion that makes them either personal or relational. Either I experienced this or I learned this. There also appears to be time indexing to keep it all straight, 
a continuity-based memory of ongoing time mislabeled as an old memory becomes deja vu. An old memory mislabeled as current becomes a flashback or a hallucination. So, part of my fascination with this was with infant-era amnesia, the apparent lack of recall of personal memories from this time period. One postulate is that these memories must be indexed with a version of indexing, including the self of a person. And until one is old enough and aware enough, this is not developed enough to aid in indexing these memories as continuous, self-involved, personal memories as part of one's history. So, possibly, kept around because they are stressful, somewhere deep in the mind, buried, are infantile memories that we can't bring up because they are not indexed properly. End quote. So basically, so, yeah, like, you're re-remembering something from your childhood, but, like, out of place. Yes. Yeah. So you don't know your your context in it, and you don't know the time frame, like how old so, you might have been. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, there's no time index either. Interesting. So, yeah. So, um, like to you, you might be getting abducted, but in reality, it's a repressed memory from when you were a baby getting like cleaned by your parents. Correct. Which is something that we all share. Interesting. And have always shared. Yeah. I don't so I wonder because he was talking about like referencing back in folklore like I kind of wonder if it goes so far back because those things have really just been happening for so long not like I, I feel like let me preface it by saying I feel like for a lot for some this will definitely explain those uh, experiences that you might have had right that it could just be something that you're you're misremembering I feel like for others though it could be maybe real maybe hmm. and you if that's the case like if those things have or if those things really are real maybe they've just been happening for so long that that's why we have them in folklore and cave paintings and and all that other stuff or maybe it is more of just people misremembering things I, it's it's hard to say um i don't yeah. myself have any of those types of experiences so I don't have anything to draw off with that. And I don't want to make anybody feel bad if they've had those types of experiences, because if it's real to you, then that's cool. Um, but I feel like it is something that's interesting to postulate is I wonder if it for some people, it could just be a, a misremembered memory. Yeah. Um, and it, it doesn't have to explain everybody. It could be something that applies to some or most people and he does give a warning that I'll, I'll get into in a second but on your point so if it has been ongoing I think the thing that he's pointing out is the stories are all a little different you know there's a um, there's a standard set of fairy abductions like a, a very similar story of everyone's and if you go back further there's you know the devil and incubi Thing. So there's always a, it's like a, maybe a cultural or a, a time referenced uh, nuance to the story. So, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it hasn't always happened because it could be that this is how these people are perceiving these things to them because that's all they know. Or if you have somebody that maybe is having some mental struggles, maybe they heard someone else have an experience. And then they make that their own experience, you know, because it's like uh, maybe like they like people who see stuff on TV and then think that happened in their life, you know, 
um, right. some, something like that. Right. Well, that's that's the memory indexing where you mix up the uh, I experienced this compared to I saw it. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, the brain is a weird thing, my friends. Yeah, it's not like you can go in on your computer and like open up your C drive and like scroll through and then be like, oh man, what's this thing? I don't know what this is. Like, the, that, you just get some random fires on those wrinkles. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, and before you know it, you know, it decides to take its own uh, shortcut and now you have a, a completely new thing going on up there. Yeah, man, that's, but, that's um, definitely an interesting thing to postulate for sure. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, yeah. Well, like he he does go on here, and he there's only a little bit left. He he does give a warning. He doesn't want to offend anybody because some of these people's experiences may be real or they may seem very real to them. So he continues on with this theory, and I'll let him finish out his hypothesis from here on out. Quote: Warning: If you are a claimant of a, of abduction, you might find the following offensive. It is not meant to be. Is a serious posit as to what people are experiencing, explaining the similarity beyond hypnagogic hallucination, but providing an explanation that is not necessarily comforting or dignified. Basically, the similarity of this account wrong with infant era memories of nighttime diaper changes and feeding. Think about life in the modern era. The modern era has sudden flashes of light. We're in the area of electricity cold tables and cleaning and undressing focus on the genital area probes of the genital area and some fixation on the teeth the sequence also allows for friendly or loving aliens who nonetheless perform these procedures going back to the era of candlelight it, it will follow the sequence would have floating globes of light approaching and not involve the cold tables bright lights or anal probes further still before the advent of cheap wax, there was no light at all, and any cleaning would be done with cold water. All the sharing of flight and helplessness and focusing on the general region appears to match up. Having said that, an infantile memory of nighttime cleaning or feeding would not have a properly indexed self-memory of the infant self at that age. So, as it's accessed and recognized as a non-related memory, the self-index is substituted with what the person has on hand, the adult self. The memory, while correct, is now interpreted in the light of an adult self, to which others performing a needed diaper change is foreign, horrifying, and terror-inducing, as well as inexplicable. Further still, one's temperature or putting ore gel to soothe teething are equally inexplicable other than as diabolical experimentation to an adult. This assumes that these memories are real, but they are vague, incorrectly indexed, misinterpreted, and potentially shameful and degrading for adults to recall in this manner. This should not reflect poorly on those who have had them. They are real, they are really trauma-related in the infant context, and they can, as a result, be terror-inducing when recalled. End quote. So I think it's just kind of a, uh, a little short-circuiting of the brain. And when you think about how complex the brain is and all the things that it has to do and put together just to get you through this life in this world, I imagine things get messed up every once in a while. Yeah, man, that's for sure. 
I mean, think about all, I can just think about all the horror movies and stuff that I've watched, and I'm surprised I don't have super crazy dreams thinking that I'm in horror movies, so who knows? <laughs> yeah, right? There's always tonight. <laughs> oh, there, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, man, I definitely appreciate you stopping by, as always, to, to share those stories. I think that's super awesome, that we, you know, to kind of go down that little bit of a different road there. It's not necessarily um like alien related per se but to kind of have that a little exploration of consciousness i think is really cool yeah i do enjoy a good alien story and i would love to know what ufos or uaps are but i'm i'm also skeptical and i try to bring some science to you know my perspective when i look into these things so i try to bring that yeah that angle our version of laissez-faire science. <laughs> there we go, yeah. <laughs> you can always feel free to correct us in the comments section below. We will not take it harshly. Just remember that, uh, you know, we always have the last say when it comes to those things. <laughs> uh, but hey, I'm here to learn. Yeah, absolutely. Here, so. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, so thank you as always for everybody for tuning in. Make sure you hit like, make sure you subscribe. Let us know in the comments section below what your thoughts are. And uh, I think next time we might be working on some stories about men in black. Ooh, yes. I'm excited for that. And the other thing we we're talking about doing is uh, possibly the Kelly Hopkinsville. So if you've made it this far in the podcast, let us know in the comments section maybe which one you would like better. And we'll see which one gets more response. Yeah, please do. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, B. Uh, this has been fun. Absolutely. And I hope everybody has a wonderful rest of your night. Take it easy now. Take care. <laughs>